Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal stories, and explore new research. No subject is off limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion. Welcome back to another episode. We are so excited to be here with you. There's a lot of stuff going on in February. We just celebrated our one-year anniversary of podcasting. Happy anniversary to us. Yes, indeed. We are so grateful for all of our listeners who have been with us from the very beginning and those of you who are just joining in for your first episode. We hope you enjoy it. Um, We're really happy to have you here. Also, last week we celebrated World Cancer Day. Go check out our social media to learn more about that. And um, a day that I didn't know existed, National Women's Physicians Day. So go check that out, too. It's all on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Down There Aware. You can check out all of those details. But first, we're going to start today's episode off with our newest segment. In the news. I like that little ditty. (laughs) It was so fun. Mom wrote it. And... We did the harmonies, and I mean, it's not a lot. Sorry, but it's really good and it cute, was fun, yeah. and it was so fun. So and we needed something there. We did, because, um, you know, that's us. We're <laughs> a little over the top and, and jazzy. Uh, well, in the news this week, um, the month of February is, um, let me get this right, <laughs> National Heart, Heart Health, Health Month. month. <laughs> And, um, of course, that makes us sit up and think because Alex and I both have a genetic heart condition. And um, so we, you know, we wore red today. And today, as we're recording, it's Friday. We're red day. So um, we did. And we did a little research. But I was surprised to find on uh, today.com a little interesting fact uh, through a story they shared did you know that the number one cause of a heart attack among pregnant women those who have recently given birth and women under 40 is called SCAD spontaneous coronary artery dissection now just think about that that's the no yeah the number one cause of a heart attack in pregnant women, women who've recently given birth, and women under 40 is SCAD. And that's when there is a tear in the artery that feeds the, or one of the arteries that feed the heart. And it kind of serves as like um, a blood clot that can cause your heart to not get the oxygen it needs. And this bulging of the the uh, artery where it's torn, it serves the same terrible purpose. It it can be like a blood clot, and your heart doesn't get the oxygen it needs. I was reading this article. It was um, mostly about a 33-year-old teacher who was expecting her third child, and um, she went 
into, I think this is really what grabbed me. She went into the ER because she was having typical heart attack symptoms, um, pain, chest pain, shortness of breath, um, tingling down her left arm, which a lot of women don't have typical heart attack Yeah, symptoms. we've talked about that yeah. before. But she was having those. She went to the ER, but because she um, was young and fit, they dismissed her symptoms as a heart attack until they finally did some blood work and her troponin levels were high and um, they did more testing and found out she was actually having a heart attack. And um, as I read, I was so shocked that many women who present with these same symptoms are oftentimes sent home because they're young, they're fit, and they're not thought to be in danger of a heart attack. And I'd throw in, we know that there's a bias against females who come in complaining of various symptoms being dismissed. Well, and, and that made me sit up and think, um, remember what we've talked about, Alex, when she went to her doctors, and because she uh, was young, they kind of dismissed the thought that she might have uterine cancer. And... Um, she kind of dismissed. They said <laughs> outright, you don't, you don't got have it. it. You're too young to have uterine cancer. And uh, so it was really interesting to me that this um, same bias is uh, rampant when it comes to heart health as well. And I just, um, I don't know what it's going to take, but it's going to take some re-educating the medical community about not um, putting people in boxes. And I understand the need for criteria and data to kind of inform us, but um, we, we have to look at patients as unique individuals and figure out what's going on with them before we ever think about putting them in a box or characterizing them as a group, as part of a group that... Um, we just dismiss certain conditions. That's really fascinating. You know, we see that it's not just gynecologic health that yeah. these issues um, really pertain to. So that was In the News. I just think that is so much fun. So um, thanks, Mom, for that little tidbit of news this week. So also this week, actually today, we found out a good friend of ours. Um, mom has known their family forever. I, of course, have known them forever. And um, their daughter, their only child, started her period today. She's 11. Mm. And it just... It brought back so many memories, and she's having a good old time with it, I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> as we all did um, during our first periods. And it, it just got us talking about periods and how we dealt with it. We no longer have to. Hallelujah. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, you know, how um, we dealt with it and grew through it. And experienced it for many, many years in our lives. Yes, my um, first period story 
we lived on a pig farm, and um, I was a busy bee on that pig farm. <laughs> I loved our pig farm out on Buckeye Road and um, was always outside and running around with the pigs. And uh, my parents went somewhere out of town. I can't remember it, but knowing our lives, it probably was a funeral. Um, and so my aunt came to stay with us and uh, she was there for however long our parents were gone and I was busy running around and I came in and I went to the restroom and um, saw there was something on my underwear and I could not be bothered with it and so (laughs) (laughs) I took them off and threw them in the corner and went and got clean underwear and went about my business because I was busy. Now, I was 10 years old. Um, So that evening, my Aunt Terry, and uh, shout out to Aunt Terry. Love her so much. Um, My Aunt Terry came to me and said, Mary Ruth. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so she sat me down and gave me the talk. That's how I got the talk. And um, she was very sweet and um, very informative and really focused on hygiene and um, you know it was it was really a positive experience well that's good I think mine was positive too I think so much so that I don't remember like all the details (laughs) Um, just because it was that unremarkable in my life but what I do remember is I was in the fifth grade And I, too, came home um, and had um, blood, you know, that darker, dry, kind of not really, you don't really know if it's blood. Yeah, because it really doesn't look like blood. Yeah. And and I came home and I said, Mom, I think I started my period. (laughs) And I knew that because um, in the state of Florida, we went through health education in, I think, starting in the fourth or fifth grade. They separated the boys and the girls. And I don't know what the boys got told, but the girls got told about their periods pretty much um so I knew that I was gonna be expecting it and mom had talked about it and what it was and um and so I came home and said I think I started my period and she was like really you're only nine because I was I was almost 10 but I was still nine um and so even for our family that was kind of early and so um sure enough showed her my underwear and she said yes you did (laughs) but the thing I remember most about that day is that mom being a product of the 70s um and 60s and 70s only wore like diaper size pads (laughs) they were the kind they didn't have wings they were not the thin kind of pad they were just and i think that was just indicative of the 90s i think that's really about all that was yeah there wasn't a lot of innovation around those products at the time and so I remember just hating <laughs> the feeling of putting this pad on. And I was so uncomfortable. I um, Often in the evening, we would watch TV, watch the news and, and cartoons and stuff. And I laid on the floor where I always laid, but I refused to put shorts on or pants on. I was in a long T-shirt and my diaper and <laughs> just living living my life. I'm sure my brother and my dad were like, what the heck is going on? 
And it was shortly after that I learned that always existed. And I was like, mom, we need to transition. (laughs) We need to, we need to come into the new age. So, um, again, pretty unremarkable, not anything to write home about, um, about our first periods, but, um, but That's just, probably a good thing. Oh yeah, I'm sure there. I have, I do have some traumatic period <laughs> stories. I'm sure we'll tell those eventually. Um, but my first one is pretty standard, normal, no trauma involved. Well, and while you were talking, I was thinking about, um, and I can't bring them to mind <laughs> right now. But the we never said in talking with each other about periods, we never said. I'm menstruate, menstruating or <laughs> no. any, um, we would say, we just always said I started and everybody knew what that meant. <laughs> I started. I think we either said I started or the big thing was Aunt Flo. No. Aunt Flo's <laughs> visiting. <laughs> and so that's what we would say just because we thought the boys didn't know what that was. Now, I think in the 60s, I remember my sister saying, I'm on the rag. <laughs> I have heard that. And and isn't it crazy that it's it wasn't um uh derogatory. It literally they used to put rags in their underwear. Yeah, and yeah. so that's what they would say. Um and you know, that really kind of got us thinking about feminine hygiene products and how, you know, like when I started my period, mom was still into the thicker pads, which probably raising two children, she didn't have time to like look up the latest trends in feminine hygiene. Um, and then when I grew into my period, we started to find more um, products. And now there are many products that are eco-friendly, reusable. There are cups. There are, I mean, underwear that you wear and you just bleed into, but it like absorbs it. I, those started coming out right before my cancer. And so I had given them thought, but then I was like, you bleed way too much. No amount of absorbing panties are going to (laughs) absorb your blood flow. Um, And so, you know, when we were kind of looking into this, I found a really cool article that we wanted to share um, and it's seven amazing facts about periods that everyone needs to know. Yes, number one, and this really kind of took me by surprise. Number one is your periods get worse when it is cold. And it talks about um, how cold weather impacts your periods in the winter months, the flow, your period dur- duration, the level of pain are all different than in the summertime. And they're longer than, and that kind of shocked me that um, in the hotter months you get a little bit of a reprieve. Um, It also goes on to say that this really affects people in a colder climate. So maybe that's why we didn't really know too much about it living in Florida. Yeah, because it talks about the lack of sunshine. And um, in Florida, in the wintertime, we still a lot of times have a lot of sunshine. But it it affects your uh, production of vitamin D and dopamine. So that, that really does make sense. Yeah, it does. The second thing that everyone should know about their periods... Um, is that you can still get pregnant if you're on your period. Ooh. I think I think this is I think this is common knowledge. Am I out oh, of No, I think at least when I was young, there were a lot of girls who were surprised. <laughs> 
because they thought they couldn't get pregnant when they were on their period. Yeah, I was just always under the impression um, it's just better safe than sorry. And, you know, why risk it if you aren't willing (laughs) to? Well, and I know we say we talk about everything, and so I'm not going to go into too much, but (laughs) who wants to? (laughs) Really? On their period, really. And not even about the mess, but I feel so uncomfortable. I don't want anybody touching yes, me. Things hurt and just bring me some Gatorade in a bad mood. And put and on a rom com <laughs> and leave me the heck alone. Yeah, yeah. But it is, you know, an interesting fact. It does say, um, a fun related fact. Back in the Middle Ages, people used to think that redheads were babies who were covered or conceived while their mothers were on oh. their periods. <laughs> I love how things were so <laughs> so simple <laughs> and creative. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, let's see. Moving on. Number three, the average starting age for periods has changed over the years. And that doesn't surprise me at all, really. Um, although it, this article talks about back in the 1800s, the average age for a girl starting her period was 17. And now the average age is 12. So that whole five years is a, that's a pretty big jump, I think. Well, and those five years are really developmentally. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a, if you think about a 12-year-old versus a 17-year-old, that's a huge jump. Yeah, and I think, um, and I could be wrong about this, but just my first thought is when you're talking about 10, 11, 12-year-olds starting their period, it's really more about science and you know um, what your body goes through the anatomy and that kind of thing when you're talking about 17 and 18 and 19 you're thinking more about sex education really and back in the 1800s that was about marrying time yeah you know and so um but but it is interesting that um they think the reason why we're starting our period so much younger is because we have better nutrition, and um, part of that is healthy and not-so-healthy fats that we're eating. And we know that fat cells make estrogen. So the more fat cells you have, the more estrogen you have in your body, and it, it triggers the menstrual cycle for young girls. So I like reading about the reasons why it's changed. It kind of helps you get the big picture. Yeah, it helps put things into perspective. Yeah, and another thing they talk about is stress, that uh, young girls have more stress and that high stress levels can actually trigger the beginning of your period. That is kind of very disconcerting. It is, and I mean, although I do think about, you know, shows like Bridgerton where their whole concern was just laying around and (laughs) playing piano and reading books and dressing up and dressing up (laughs) and doing our hair and um so I do think things have definitely changed and um I can imagine certainly this year has brought on quite a bit of stress for many young girls Mm. and so we might see a slew of of girls starting their periods earlier and earlier yeah hadn't thought of that connecting 2020 to that Mm. so um the next one number four you will spend nearly 10 years of your life bleeding on your period um so the average american woman will have 450 periods in her lifetime um and so if you do the math that adds up to about 3500 
days. Now, these are all averages. So for those of us who bled for multiple weeks and skipped periods and had two periods in a month, you know, it all is very different. Um, but it's interesting because they translate this into period products and it works out to be 11,000 tampons that the average woman uses in a lifetime. That's a lot. So it's quite an industry. Quite an industry, quite an investment for women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is definitely, um, you know, something to think about. And then, you know, it says everything's different. So it depends on if you've had a child or multiple children. Clearly, you don't have your period while you're um, pregnant and you don't have your period while you're breastfeeding. So those periods of time can um, can vary with uh, different women. But it also um, points to the average being 10 years. Just imagine that, like mm-hmm. the, what the average person lives to be about 80 years old. So 10 years of that is just just bleeding. Yeah, just bleeding. And putting up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number five, we already really kind of talked about that. So um, about how much easier it is to get a variety of feminine hygiene products. Um, There are eco-friendly ones. There are all kinds of sizes and shapes. And um, so I'm not going to really dwell on that. And I'll move on to number six, that you lose a lot less blood than you think during your period. And... (laughs) You know, it's kind of like if you get um, hit in the mouth. <laughs> you know, mouths bleed profusely, <laughs> and you think you're just losing gallons of blood, and you're not. And the same really is true for your period, although because you are having to catch all that blood and keep it from flowing everywhere, it seems like a ton. And if you're like Alex and me, we had horrible and huge clots and um, those are just all blood filled tissue so it seemed like a whole lot of blood yeah and along with that um, this article recommends that of, of course if you think you're bleeding way more than that definitely seek medical advice we would have caution the same thing because that's what happened to us um, and losing too much blood can increase your risk for anemia which happened I, to you that happened to me so um, you know, definitely be cautious of that um, if you think it is more than uh, just three tablespoons or so. And it can certainly be, like in your case, um, a symptom of uterine cancer. Yeah, absolutely. So the last one I find the most interesting <laughs> because it just um, is something you don't really think about. And I often wonder how these researchers came to this knowledge and how they decided that they were going to do this kind of experiment. But your period can affect how you sound and how you smell. Um, So according to vocalization researchers, women's voices can change slightly during their menstrual cycle due to our reproductive hormones affecting our vocal cords. And as singers, I think that's pretty interesting. I, I do... This is vaguely familiar because I do remember in some of my lessons, if I was having kind of an off day, um, my teacher would would ask, like, are you on your cycle? Um, Because that can have an effect. Um, And then also um, they say that uh, it's because of the reproductive hormones that are affecting the cords. And it means women can sound different while on their periods and even, quote unquote, less attractive. (laughs) And it's thought to be because in our animalistic kind of caveman days um, that men are to be more attracted to women while they're ovulating, increasing the um, 
uh, possibility of procreation versus when they're menstruating um, when we know they could procreate, but it's not as guaranteed as um, while they were ovulating. So do you think the the whole um, less attractive could be that uh, the hormones cause the female voice to be lower and that's less attractive to men? I don't know. I I don't know if that is a modern feminine feature. You know, I don't know if, um, I mean, we know physically men and uh, women have smaller vocal cords, which are higher than Mm -hmm. men. Um, But I'm not sure. That's, you know, it's interesting stuff. So um, there's quite a lot to know about the period, which who who knew? I mean, And here are two people who don't have theirs anymore just (laughs) chatting about it. Yeah, you know, it's really easy to do that when you don't have to deal with it anymore. We were talking about how... Um, you know, nice it is. Now, the reason why I don't have my period is pretty nasty, and I don't really like that. But not having a period is definitely a silver lining of everything that's happened. You know, we've talked about just various things that go along with it, and how not having to deal with it is a nice, nice change of pace. So um, this article came from a website that we happened upon, called helpingwomenperiod.org. And um, it, you know, upon further investigation, it's a really cool organization. We'll link them in our uh, show notes as well as through our social media. But they are a nonprofit based in East Lansing, Michigan, and their mission is to provide no-cost menstrual products to homeless or low-income people. And so I just think that's really um, an awesome mission because we know 11,000 tampons can be expensive over your lifetime, and not everybody has access. Homeless uh, women certainly don't have access um, to to all these kinds of products, and so they um, take collections and purchase um, products in bulk and then donate those to different uh, homeless shelters and community centers across their area. And that brings to mind um, something I've talked to some other people about, and um, that's just to keep, uh, like women, if you have a purse you don't use anymore, instead of giving it to Goodwill, you might pack it with um, feminine hygiene products and other hygiene products, a toothbrush, some toothpaste, and some wipes, and that kind of thing, and these days, uh, some masks even, and keep it in your car so if you pass a homeless woman who, um, you know, is easily enough accessible to you, you can sh- give her that purse and she'll have some of those things that she needs. I'm, I was thrilled when Alex talked about this nonprofit providing feminine hygiene products because in looking at how much goes into buying those and um, the 10 years that you're flowing, you're... Um, the money's flowing as well. Um, it's awesome that they are providing that. But we as individuals can also help. So g- gather up those old purses in the um, in your closets and put a few things in there and just carry it around. I guarantee you'll come upon some people who can use those. Well, and that's something that when I um, had my hysterectomy, one of the therapeutic things I did for myself was I was a notorious 
pad and tampon hoarder. (laughs) And I think it was because I always needed to be ready because I wasn't regular. And so I always had to be on guard. So I had pads and tampons stashed in every cupboard in every bathroom, in every purse and backpack. Um, And at my house. And at mom's house. And, uh, uh, you know, I just had them everywhere. So I methodically went through and gathered them all. um, And with the help of a a friend from work, um, was able to donate those to to people in the community. So, um, you know, things like that don't go bad. If they're wrapped up, they're safe and they're hygienic and um, they don't have to go to waste. So finding this organization was really cool. Um, And so I am actually going to try and reach out to them and see if uh, we can get them on the podcast to talk to them about their mission and and all they're doing in Michigan. I know they are kind of on hold right now because of COVID. They have some drop sites where people can donate. um, But to keep people safe, they have closed some of those. We hope that you have found this um, little bit of information about periods helpful and informative. We certainly are happy to share what we know, happy to do research um, and bring that to everyone because um, it's something like 85% of our listenership is between the ages of 28 and 34. Um, And so more often than not, you guys are probably menstruating. And these are some interesting things to know about. So thanks for listening. You can find us on our website, www.downthereaware.com. And that's where you can find all of our show notes, links to websites and articles mentioned in this episode. Also check us out on social media. We post frequently all about our shows as well as uh, cancer news and research and news about women's health. Those are down there aware on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Thanks for listening.